You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello, and welcome to the 203rd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando. Hey, this is Matt uh, celebrating May Day with all the hippies here in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston. Uh, you guys, we have with us tonight um, a special guest, uh, professional podcaster, Dan Chabanoff. Hi, guys. I'm in Hi, Dan. Philadelphia. You know, that, that handoff, Spencer, was so nice because you didn't want me to say his name. Um, well, so thanks for that, taking you that. Nailed the, you nailed my last name on the last episode. I was so proud. <laughs> things are getting a little fuzzy, you know, for me. Sometimes <laughs> things are really good. I mean, I was well. impressed. I was stressed out because I didn't want to call Dan a professional bike racer because I'm not sure if he would agree with that or not. But I knew that he had been really stepping up his podcasting game lately. And uh, making appearances all across the internet, so Basically. we're we're lucky to be you know third or fourth in line. So I'm really I'm really happy about that. He's finally on the show. He's been a longtime fan, and uh, <laughs> it's good to get him here, Spencer. To be clear, I called you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, trans build- people I'm called just, our people. I'm just He's- saying. He's building the brand. Um, yeah. So brand. we're going to talk about the Giro today. Um, you know regular things and then a, a fair amount about the red hook crit because it's a pretty uh important thing well, that's starting to happen fix your crits maybe you're being pretty nice tim it's a contentious thing yes usa cycling people don't understand it dan works uh with the event so he has a uh, insider uh knowledge about uh, why we should or shouldn't care about fix gear crits and we'll get into all that uh but um yeah most importantly so- We've got things like real bike racing happening. Well, before we get to that, I, was, I need to give you guys an update um, on my life because I'm it's my it's my it's, it's me here. Um, so <laughs> I went for my first bike ride on Thursday. That was fun. I didn't really get dropped. That was like forty miles. Then I went yes yesterday. That was a pretty tough ride. Really windy. So um, you guys should still be nervous about Schwamigan. But mm. on Friday, mm. I had the opportunity um, Friday afternoon. To head over to uh, – so in Orlando, there's really, as you can imagine, not much bike stuff going on. But we do have the number one uh, manufacturer of recumbent trikes in Orlando called Cat Trike because I'm in the market okay. for a new bike. You know, the doc was like, hey, you know, you need to relieve some of that pressure on your uh, on your knees. You need to get on the recumbent, the, the recumbent scene. Um, they have like 30 employees there. I just want to point out that in – recumbent trike manufacturing you would think that there would be a lot more um beards and uh-huh. people walking around the shop floor with the third eye um eyeglasses mirror attached yeah just in and case. i did yeah, not I see any of those but um recumbent about, trikes um, whole new world guys they have full suspension and folding recumbent trikes so you can easily transport transport them wow that's yeah fold up pretty big i yeah i can't imagine how how that would work. I just got to say the the, the whole buildup 
of these. Uh, it was pretty cool to see the whole factory as they're putting together. I don't. We're not going to turn into the recumbent trike podcast, so I'm going to stop it here. But it's okay. here in Orlando. It's pretty huge, and the company keeps growing. So okay. there you go. Do you see a lot of gonna... these around on the on the bike paths? You see them on the bike paths, right? The flag, mm. the the orange flag that's six feet above. Um, mm. I used to sell them when I worked at uh, that bike shop in Chicago, the recumbent shop in Chicago. Oh, they yeah. they were pretty popular. People, old people, really like their recumbent trikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're I mean, very arrow. Dan, are you in yeah. the market for recumbent trike, Dan? <laughs> Do you think maybe this this could be the new fixed gear crit? Probably not, unfortunately. Oh, but, but they are. I got to admit, I would fast. watch. I would watch a, a recumbent crit. That sounds amazing. I don't know if I care <laughs> if it's trike or non trike. I just want to see a recumbent crit. Yeah, I would. That, that would be would so sketchy. That, it would be so sketchy. <laughs> anyway, um, so oh. the Giro started. Um, to, to start off the Giro, I did. I do what I always do. I, I had. I headed straight over to Team Education First website. Um, to read oh, their, uh, you too. know, their, their team preview, and uh, Mitch Docker was answering some questions from the uh, the the leaders. And they said, "Hey, what do you guys do, or what, what do you do on the way to and from races?" And then they went through all the different people. You know, Dombrowski's like, you know, just hang out, listen to some podcasts. Most of them in French, trying to learn language. Then they go to Mitch Docker, and I quote, "I listen to the Slow Ride podcast to keep up to date about what's happening in cycling." Which which is important for when you see Mitch off the back of the race later um, to keep that in mind, that where he's getting his education. I, so two things, Dan. I can see you rolling your eyes a little bit here. Um, yeah, now, Dan, you probably think you we're making this up. That, are you with me that Mitch Docker may be trolling us in the most like the, the perfect way? way? Yeah, the, yeah, very complimentary. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's trolling if it's what you want. <laughs> You know I what think, I mean? Like, I feel like that's not know. what trolling is. No, but why would he? Like, there's no way he really listens to us to keep up but, to date about what's happening in cycling when he's in the be. professional peloton. But there could be. <laughs> like, we can't prove it one way or the other. Yeah. Do you think it's sort of uh, like all the other guys on the team? It's sort of a like a teen movie from the 90s where all the cool guys on the team said, Mitch, I bet you can't take the glasses off that podcast and take it to prom. <laughs> it's like and, Mean Girls. And, and make make that prom the the queen of the prom, yeah. a podcast. And so he's like, <laughs> I'll take that bet. And so he's trying to build this up, even though he's not interested. But by the end, he's going to be on the podcast. He's going to be super into us, and we're going to fall I mean, in love. I, I just got to say, when I saw that, I was... I was a little shocked. We got sent over to us by one of our listeners on Twitter, and it was. I mean, I was, I was pretty like, sure you were making that up. I thought no. Tim was making it up too when he sent me a screen grab. <laughs> like, Man, Tim, your <laughs> web day. your web skills have gotten really good. Yeah, I was like, wow, <laughs> you are getting really good with Photoshop too. Um, so Spencer, the Jira yeah. started. Um, d- were were you into the first stage time trial like normal? Uh, super into it. Got up early, um, popped some popcorn and was ready, ready to go. Um, and then I remembered it was a time trial. Uh, so I went back to bed and, um, checked the results later on, uh, Are you saying stats. you missed Carlos Betancourt's fantastic ride? <sighs> Guys. I, yeah, begrudgingly I am admitting that, um, I mean, it was worth it. I mean, did anybody or, or, really think he would get 
11th in a prologue time trial? Anybody, honestly. No. no I see you raising your hand, but you you don't even believe in that. Yeah. No, but I, I believe since day one. People were... I, I believe since we, day one that he's the team leader. Even though all of the um, type of uh, dispatches that were coming from the team were all about Carapas, the um, no because he just won because he just won the most recent you know five day yeah. stage race, and it's like no, it's it's clearly Bettencourt who's looking svelte. He's he's going to be the guy, and then eleventh in the time trial is pretty impressive. That wasn't the biggest story though. The biggest story was Chris Froome getting word that. Um, Chris Froome crashing out in the uh, in the uh, the preview ride, and was it Constantine Sitzel that yeah. broke yeah. a vertebra, and then he's out of the? I mean, that's sad. You know, like it's sad. he got replaced at the start line by a teammate because he was what ten minutes before the race started. I mean, that was disappointing. But yeah, Bettencourt obviously a big story. Same with uh, Rohan Dennis staking claim as a real GC threat. Perhaps um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm still doubtful about that, but yeah, you know, let's talk about it in two days. weeks <laughs> or once the, the road. Wow, goes up wow, time. Dan thinks he's going to do that well on the podcast. He's going to be back in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I have your phone wow. number, Tim. I can just text you. I, I, like, I like your style, Dan. <laughs> yeah, All right, yeah, so nice. we had first first stage time trial, and then we had two days in Israel. I didn't get to watch them. Um, I was a little busy. Uh, that being said, I did watch the recaps. Today's yep. stage looked like it was in the desert, and yesterday's, for the most part, seemed to be more of an urban race through, I think I think it went through mostly through Jerusalem, correct? Uh, well, it went from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv on the second. Tel Aviv, sorry. The, the okay. first road stage, so. And both stages won by Viviani, mm-hmm. naturally, because um, he's like the only sprinter in the race. Um, I, hey, I beg to differ. Well, when we get to Bellow Games teams, I found yeah, a different. I can't character. wait. Yeah, and he's doing just Did he as win good any as. Stages yet? Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> he's hey. a French sprinter, so uh, you know. we'll see. Um, um, I I saw a lot of complaints. Like Dumoulin was complaining about to the end of today because it was scary, but it just looked kind of like an easy so, run in. They were just saying it was so fast because of the tailwind or some crap. I I don't Did know what they're complaining about. Did you see the video of the Astana? Oh, that was in Tory Yorkshire. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's easy to get those confused if you're just watching the feeds and you're not reading the race reports because the you know it looks so much the same. The what? Israeli, well, Israeli just, desert, Yorkshire. Just, they both well, look yeah, nothing like Italy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the tour of Yorkshire, real quick caveat. They have one of those marshals up at the road furniture, like the island, coming around a turn, and he's got the mm. little pennant, and he's making – blowing the whistle. Yeah. All of the riders avoid him. Some of the team cars go to the right and some go to the left. Fairly safe. The Astana car, obviously the guy <laughs> was texting, goes straight at the guy and straight over the island in the middle of the really? road. And cra- yeah, like yes. takes out all the signage. The, the marshal is luckier than all get out to be able to get out of the way so fast. I mean, he dove at the last minute. Like, yeah, that car was coming. They were not stopping. And were you surprised that Vinokurov was behind the wheel? <laughs> was he really? You're no, I don't. I don't know if he was. I'm just making okay. that part up. I don't but actually know who just, their director sportive is. I feel like I feel like you're you're uh, admitting to your jokes for my benefit. <laughs> you know, like because I feel like normally on the podcast you would just say that. There would be some dead air. You guys would move on, you know, and <laughs> the viewers at home would be left like screaming. 
like wait what is that real right exactly and but i feel so yeah. i feel like you need to you know just just let it let it you know be natural just, just act normal yeah look exactly. it okay so yeah. you're flying it's the weird. wall we got company you know? it's a little tough here. it's okay so anyway we're gonna clean up the place a little bit yeah, but yeah tim we vacuumed before you came in yeah, I, I think the most important takeaway from the Astana, uh, that clip in the car, just, uh, you know, refusing to, you know, acknowledge the road furniture <laughs> ahead of it, is one positive you can take away from that is that Astana is still clearly going full gas. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. I like it. Well done. So getting into the Giro, let's talk real quick. GC, Dennis, Rohan Dennis, Dumoulin, and then Jose Goncalves of Katusha. And a shout out to friend of the podcast, Alex Dowsett, still in the top five somehow. I don't know. And he got a 16th place, which is pretty awesome. But Chris Froome, Dan, is he going to win the race, do you think? Uh, maybe. I don't think he's got, like, <laughs> Solid. I don't know. I don't think he has the strength of character, Tim. Okay. Uh-huh. Um he coming out of character, huh? We got a little... Uh, little <laughs> he might also just get banned before the race is even over, so who knows? Yeah. We got a little uh, feedback on our Twitter, because we mentioned you should watch the race on Flow Bikes, and someone's like, what, I have to pay $30 to watch the race on Flow Bikes? To which I said, yeah, we've gone mainstream now, so um, I'm sure there's other places where you can find the race, but Flow Bikes has a Roku app, so that's how I've been watching yeah. Plan on watching it and been watching the recaps. It's thirty bucks. It's not that big of a deal for. That's a dollar a day for <laughs> bike racing, and you get to watch some like BMX race from Europe that's in the middle of the uh, the Giro. So it'd be pretty cool. Much cooler than Tour of California. So okay. okay. What do you, do you guys want to get into some Velo Games talk? Because we got to yeah. talk about how who we're choosing to make the race. So. As we said, we've got a 16th uh, place competition for who finishes 16th place overall. And then also we get a uh, from Banjo Brothers and a Banjo Brothers bag to the best team name, which is going to be decided by Abby Mickey um, after we uh, select our favorites. Dan is having a little bit of uh, internet trouble and doesn't know how to get to the Velo Games League to see how he's doing. But let's go first to uh, Dan's team um, uh-huh. to talk about who Dan has selected and his team name is Cha Ban Froom. Very, very creative. We have Tom Dumoulin, uh-huh. Roman Kreisinger, Miguel Angel Lopez, Igor Anton, Ella, Ilya Viviani, Posado, Visconti, ah. <laughs> Lutsenko, and then uh, Enrico Batalin as his uh, – um, uh, maybe that's your wild card rider. Wild card. I don't know. But um, so Dumoulin and – uh, before. And Kreisinger and Lopez are your uh, kind of your main guys besides Viviani. So you're 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 in the Dumoulin camp. It's not that I'm in the Dumoulin camp. It's just I don't really want Chris Froome to win the Giro. Hmm. He I don't um, know. I'm in, I'm in the anti Froome camp. I don't know. I don't just I don't like the guy. He looks bad on a bike. What can I say? His cat has an Instagram though. Whose cat doesn't does that, have an Instagram? Does that change things? Point? Well, my cat doesn't have an Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, but sorry, Matt. If you, were, I get, it, I get people confused. That's okay. <laughs> well, imagine that. Um, yeah, that's kind of kind of crazy that <laughs> that you're not in the Chris Froome camp because I, w- I would expect that um, that you'd want Froome to win. I guess I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why but, either. So, uh, Miguel Lopez of Astana. The, 
What, what do you got there? Anything? I didn't. Uh, nothing. You know, he's, a, he just... he's a decent rider. I like his name. Okay, cool. It's a good ride. Right. Yeah, why not? Overall, Pipo Pizzato, pretty good. Um, so, I little guy, do you want to go over? Heart pick, you know. Oh, okay. See that now. This is this is where I want to get into. Like Please. when you're when you're structuring your Velo Games team for maximum, you know, points or whatever. Are you are you actually strategizing and picking, you know, based on statistics and numbers, or are you you seem like a heart on your sleeve kind of? Uh, I'm gonna pick who I want to do well, not who is actually going to do well. I mean, I mean, Pizzato seems I, I like a pick where you're just there, throwing money away. Going to do well. Yeah, uh, he's so probably going to win literally every sprint in the Giro. I Dumoulin already won a stage. Uh, I think Kreuziger is going to ride really well in like the third week and go for the KOM jersey or something based on yeah, how he yeah. rode in the Ardennes. But he'll probably get uh, popped too, just like Froome. Yeah, probably. But, you know, I mean, honestly, <laughs> all of them could get popped. Yeah. Well, it's it's professional cycling. I don't really like Really? All of them? Yeah. All of them, Tim. Oh, hmm. wow. Maybe you know something I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. But I'm also just... At this point, I don't put like any faith in my fandom in cycling. I I enjoy it, yeah. but I like don't put it past any of them. Uh, so. It's it's the old blind eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So overall, decent team. Um, right now, you're you've got 660 points, kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, let's just go uh, down to see how the rest of the um, podcast is doing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just start at the bottom. How the bottom would be a little bit teams? easier. I honestly want to know that you, uh, you're doing this poorly. Oh, I'll ex- so, I'll, I'll go so, in depth. I'll explain all my fifth, picks to you. Please. Fifth from the bottom. Fifth from the bottom is the Slow Ride Podcast B team oh, with 159 wow. points, tied with Kobo <laughs> or Nogo with 159 points. You guys uh, yep. somehow have the same amount of yeah. points, and you're both at the absolute bottom all of right. the standings. I don't know Spencer's team, so I'm super excited to hear who's on his team. I've been waiting we, for this reveal because I'm assuming it's going to be mostly yeah. my team. So do you want to guess? Share, <laughs> we share five. Oh, uh, God. How do we always do Five this? of the nine. I know. Okay. So because ama- we're built for the third week. We're, we're, yeah. We have a strategy, and it's similar. Yeah. What's amazing is you guys have picked the same sprinter. That's what Did we? Okay, wait. Baffles Spencer, my go mind. Go to your team for me, Spencer. Who you got? <laughs> What other sprinter okay. is there? <laughs> well, they gave so you a lot of I've options. Got... <laughs> and it was all about, yeah. you know, it's all about price. It is all about price. It's all about ROI for me. <laughs> um, so my team is, uh, I have Michael Woods, obviously, because he's got the huge VO2 yeah. max, and he's definitely going to be on the podium <laughs> at the end of three weeks. Yeah. I've got Thibaut Pino, yep. who is also going to be on the podium at the end of three weeks. Yep. And then I've got uh, uh, Yellow Lotto Bennett, um, the climber, not the sprinter Bennett from Bora. Um, but George Bennett, is he's going to do well. He'll be in the top 10. Yeah. I don't know if he's a young <laughs> rider, a white jersey kind of guy, but um, he's a young and he's a new guy. Anyway, then I've got Lopez as well, like Dan, because I like his name and I actually think he's going to do well. Um, he'd be pretty lucky probably to be on the podium, but he'll be up there. Then I share the sprinter uh, with little guy whose name I'm just gonna assassinate. Um, Do it, Deepashur, Deepashari. About how I'm gonna nailed it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from Red Lotto, who has uh, been like fifth or sixth 
both of the sprints. So kind of there, but kind of not. And uh, I thought he would be doing better, I, I must admit. Um, I came down between him and Sasha Madolo uh, because I didn't want to pick Viviani. And I feel like I chose wrong. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah why, why did my, you not want to pick Viviani? What do you have against well, Viviani? Uh, we we well, you might, like root for you the might. underdog on the Slow Ride podcast. Yeah. You know? That's why we got you on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair. <laughs> So, yeah, you'll notice I don't have Dumoulin. I don't have uh, Chris Froome. I mean, we have a rule against choosing Chris True. Froome. I think we should have done a Dumoulin so. rule, too, but we'll see when we get to Tim well, if, we, if we did or not. But, I have a theory on that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a theory that you and I are on the same wavelength where, yeah, obviously that's a rule. You can't pick the favorite. <laughs> well, well, Froome is the favorite. I didn't but pick Froome. But somebody Do may I, have broken I, the well, rules. Whatever. Okay. So uh, I'm going to run through the rest of my team quick. I've got the... Throwaway pick, the four-pointer, is uh, Nate Brown from uh, Garmin EF. Oh, how does he feel now? He's just a throwaway pick. pick. Well, he knows his place. He's getting the water bottles. Um, but he might end up in a breakaway and win a stage, which uh, that is what I'm banking on yeah, with my four points not, there. not going to happen. Yeah, well. <laughs> He's Shut not an Italian on a pro-continental team. He's not winning any breakaways. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> probably not. Then I've got my Astana superpower. Um, the yeah, that's true. I've got Lutsenko and uh, LL Sanchez uh, from Astana who are basically there because they might do okay on a stage or two, but they'll get a lot of helper points from Lopez when he surprises everyone and wins the Giro somehow. I didn't think this out. They've both been um, flying this year, so if, if the sauce holds... I know. It should work out. And then um, my wild card is uh, Posavivo. So yeah, wild card, solid right. is what All it right. is. Yeah. So what do you got? So so not not a decent team. Um, and then little guy. Well, I like uh, I like a lot pretty of much your the team. same team. Yeah, I got Woods. <laughs> yeah, because that VO two max is gigantic. You can't bet against that. Yeah, uh, I got Pino. It's money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, I got Pino because obviously I like airplanes, and he's going to do really good. <laughs> Um, Posavio, even though he's on the Bahrain team, because I've been rooting for him for years, and I, I think this is his year. He's been riding really good. I got Jean Hurt from Astana because he was he was riding really good in the mountains last year, and I want to support that. Is he the guy that was on the Continental team? He was on that, CCC uh... polls, whatever last year, and he was like just taking massive polls, and he moved himself way up, but he mostly wrote himself into a, a World Tour contract. Um, I've got yeah. Debussier. Uh, with Spencer because I also want to root for the underdog sprinters. I got uh, Genese, Genese, whatever, from AG2R because he will get in a breakaway for sure um, and at least try. I got Mitch Docker because, come on, I'm pandering. Come on, Mitch, come on the podcast. Um, I got uh, Sepulveda from Movistar. I just couldn't decide, um, and I figured he might be better than the Gummy Bear, and so far that's not working out. And I got Lopez. uh <laughs> Because so, everyone so far has thought about it, Lopez is going to do really good in GC. Um, we need yeah. to go, we need to go back to the Docker pick because you're the only one of us four uh, on the pod or three normal that have Mitch Docker. Yeah, um, Mitch Docker is six points. Uh, you know, we got to tread a fine line here because he claims to be listening to the podcast. <laughs> I want to know, like, is he hurt when he's only listed as six points, or has he been listed as four? Po- Does he know his point value in Velo games? Does uh, that influence his riding? I would. There's so many questions. More or less than Pizzato? I don't know. Oof. You know, because 
I when I was choosing my team, they were already saying that people was going back uh, and wasn't gonna be in the race because he had to go back to. But that's his the dad's. I never even saw his. Uh, yeah. So Pizzato is six points. So he's the same as uh, Docker. So so uh, Docker. Docker Docker's four points. No, the Docker is uh, six points on uh, when you, when you scroll down and you see he the scored um, you four points like he scored me. Four. Oh, he scored four points. <laughs> He's Sorry, cost, that's what I'm agree his, that this website design is awful. It's a oh, little it's, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, Wait, but let's get back to this. So Docker is right at the Pizzato scale. So I think yeah. moving forward, we should. Docker should always try to be at or above what Pizzato's value is in the Velo Games points. But I want to know, like, does I, hey Mitch, Mitch, close caption, just me and you. Everybody else turn off their podcasts. All right, no, no one's listening anymore. Hey Mitch, does Mike Woods walk around the the team bus and tell everybody he has the world's largest VO2 max? Like, is that his like go to brag when he's at the bar? So I want to know, like, if Mitch is like. Here comes Michael Woods again with his VO2 max, <laughs> and everyone gets out of the way. I assume he curious. has business cards, and the the back just says <laughs> world's largest VO2 max. Well, you guys, your Velo Games team, um, you're you're off to a great start. Um, let's find where mine is. Oh, what do you know? All the way at the top in fifth place overall. Are you serious? Um, Holy crap! You yeah, must have Dumoulin completely Viviani, slaying huh? it. <laughs> slaying it. Yeah. Um, so look, can't I, tell if you're uh, being serious again. No, I'm all the way at the top, um, in fifth place. Uh, in fact, I am right behind. I have to see. I have to scroll all the way to the top. Um, Matt C with ap- asthma doping is greater is less than poop doping. Go Tom in first. We have uh, wow. Escape Froom in uh, second, and then third is Johnny Hanel with Climbers of the World Unite. Um, some ode to a Smith song, apparently. Um, so there you go. My team, little guy. Do you want to? Um, Guess what my team is. I mean, I'm looking at like it. Like you I have in the past. Up, so I know what it is. But okay. I would have guessed these writers. So, I should have just guessed them. So I got Dumoulin, Michael Woods. I have Chavez of Mitchelton Scott. I have the Gummy Bear, Carlos Betancourt, naturally. Yep. Viviani. I have Tuft. Yep. Sven Tuft. Sentimental pick. Of course, I had to take a Quintana. Yep. Right? Dyer yep. Quintana with the four-pointer. To go with Sven Tuft. And then I have uh, Pantano of Trek as an eight-pointer. And then my wild card is Sam Bennett, the sprinter. Bennett of Bora Hansgrow, and uh, he has also been showing pretty well. There may be not, there may not be too many uh, sprint stages left, but who knows? And none of us picked Chris Froome, mm-hmm. so that's good. So we kept with our long-term commitment to the podcast. So there you have it. Yeah, it's a good team, Tim. I'll admit, you're probably going to beat me. Yeah, I've already started writing yeah, the paragraphs. So I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're going to be if you're the type of guy who wants to pick a Dumoulin, you know, it's a good yeah. Team. If you sure. like winning at all costs, so yeah. let's get into this Dumoulin thing real quick. So we talked about the <laughs> favorite team names. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of team. We have over like 220 contestants. We're not going to go through all the team names, but they've definitely been into three different distinct categories. Mm-hmm. We have the poop joke joke team names, right? That have something to do oh, about. Yeah. Tom Dumoulin going for number two, um, Tom Dumpelon, uh, you know, those are there. Then we yeah. have the, um, the me- multiple asthma joke, sabuterol joke references like, hey, someone's prescription is overdue, you know, th- th- those kinds of names. Yeah. And then we have mm-hmm. a lot of uh, teams are, you know, consistently now kind of building their own brands, right? Like people kind of... Keeping the same name, 
year over year on all of these. Kind of like how we've got it. So we're starting to see more uh, more more consistency across the uh, the team names as well. Um, a couple of uh, that have that have stuck out to me um, real quick is that I have uh oh Tim just picked Tom Dumoulin um, by ki- uh, Kiss of Death. <laughs> I have uh, just a little Benton Curious. Uh, by Rick yep. Rubin Fernandez, which was been there before. The Elephant in the Froom from Ben St- Ben Strine. A lot of Jurage uh, Sagan jokes as well. Jurage and Jurage in Trouble Now from uh, Nick. We have Top Velo Games Team of the Year this week. <laughs> you know, to Spencer's yep. uh, Jonathan Crane out of Bur- Birmingham, Alabama, with double decker mustache bars. That's going to be on the next uh, Canyon bike. Um, we also have uh, where is it here? This is my one of my favorite team names, but I have an issue with Joe's name. His name is right here, right Hanau. Nice, really great, yep. really well done. He doesn't have Hanau on his team, oh, so you gotta. Pick it's him. not. It doesn't make the cup for me exactly. Uh, we have a tribe called Quickstep. Oh, I was gonna I was say very, that one. Uh, I love that one. I was see. Yeah, I was going to go through, and I didn't have the time, but I wanted to go through everybody's team who had a Bettenker or Gummy Bear reference in the name and see if they had picked the gummy bear for their team because yeah that seems uh you know maybe a, a dq uh should, should be in order there um we have the uh if you like it then you should have put a bling on it from erica and then my final two so these are my final two um the runner-up in my name contest would be canadians winning without motors from kevin bouchard hall because that's a nice double layer reference to, of course, Ryder Heshtal's win. Um, apparently, with as, as the joke goes, with the motor, and he does have Michael Woods on his team, so that's a, a good good pick for the new for the new Papa. But my favorite um, from the Ragbri yellow jersey is oh. the Village Peopley. That was good, yeah. It's really good. So, what 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 stuck out to you, little well, guy? I wanted to say a tribe called Quickstep, but you already called it. That one's good. Uh, my favorite, probably though, is in the court of the Crimson Klein. Really nice, really nice there. <laughs> Couple good, good layers. That, good, that was my favorite. That was Alex K. Like, I, hats off to you. I had a couple that stuck out. Um, uh, Sandy Sandy Kassar owns a donut shop. Yeah. Uh, now is that H. true? That's a good one. I, I was wondering if that is just a real thing or it's just. I mean, a... I think I think it's in the Slow Ride podcast canon now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what Sandy Kassar's been oh. since he retired. Do you think he bought like a franchise, or do you think it's like a like he like he bought a Dunkin' Donuts franchise or a Krispy Kreme franchise, or do you think he just makes his own? I would fresh hope donuts? he does his own, you know, his own artisanal donut thing. I I got my okay. fingers crossed Possibly. that he bought a Dunkin' Donuts. Do they have Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> in France? I've never. Oh, well, you know, I experienced the Dunkin' Donuts in Iceland when I was there, and. It was it was so fancy and very Euro and not at all like the dunks I'm used to here in New England, which are something else. Um, um, <laughs> I yeah, a, I have, a, I have a fast food story from being a kid in Russia that's completely unrelated to cycling. But okay, I think I think it's time uh, for this story. <laughs> when I was in first grade, we went to a field trip to the very first McDonald's. That opened in Moscow. And they gave us like a tour, like of everything. And I mean, this was a big (laughs) deal. Like, there were lines, like huge lines around the block. And and we we got in there as like a first grade class. And they're like, I remember distinctly them showing us the garbage compactor. 
and I don't know why this <laughs> sticks out to me. Um, <laughs> Seminal moment in also, your childhood. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I got to eat like two Big Macs and three milkshakes. It was amazing. I felt awful afterwards, but it was worth it. Yeah. Um, also, oh, McDonald's sure, yeah. in Europe have like real silverware. It's they're fancy. Huh. I don't know if you guys have been. Anyway, I have an affinity for fast food. Unrelated. Should try the nice. Dunkin' Donuts oh. in uh, in Reykjavik if you're ever there. I mean, I eat Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> for breakfast before most races, so. Hopefully one That's day. It's a pro tip. <laughs> it's a little something you learned from Sandy Gassar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, to jump back to Velo Games quick, my Tim, my favorite team name I think so far, and I haven't gone through all of them, but this one jumps out, is uh, Schrodinger's Cat 3 Elites. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was, uh, so- by Ben McIntosh. That's a good one. Uh, so good job, Ben. I had and to the- Google what Schrodinger's Cat was, and then I got really <laughs> confused. I was like, well, yeah. I don't understand it. So you guys, if you Google, um, wait, if you Google Sandy Kassar Donut Shop, like the fifth thing that comes up on Google is is just fellow games fantasy cycling. <laughs> Sandy Kassar owns a donut shop, so it's true. <laughs> so that's the that's the Confirmed. only time all those words show up at the same time. Anyway, sorry. No, but uh, the the last one I, and the most important one I want to point out, uh, Tim. I don't know if you uh, caught this, but there's a team called VO2 Maxi, presented by EF, Draypack, <laughs> Cannondale, slash Crowds. Now, and that's VO2 Mikey, who has that team, right? Yeah. So there's a lot going on there, a lot of poking fun of Cannondale and the crowdfunding and everything else. Now, their team has Michael Woods on it, has yes. Sasha Madolo as their sprinter, and has Joe Dombrowski. So four or three riders from the EF uh, team. And, uh, well, and, and, they- and I'm... <laughs> And it has I'm starting Sven to Tuft. think about it. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it, sure. And Sven Tuft is the most, uh, you know, the, <laughs> right. Um, he's, a, he's the freaking on the tour. Exactly. I, I thought this was hilarious, and then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, wait, could this be Michael Woods' team? Oh, now, if like he, if Mitch Docker is listening to the podcast and talking to his friends on the bus about it, maybe you know, oh, old Michael Woods picked up picked up the Vela games and was like, I'm going to join the league. And, you know, VO2 Maxi, huh? <sighs> VO2 Mikey, picking a bunch of his friends on the team, had throw Pino in there because he does want to do well. But he didn't um, pick Mitch Docker, which is kind of the, uh, you know, the giveaway, right? Well, yeah. That's well, it. <laughs> I mean, he's got Formolo too. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Uh, I, I, Nothing for nothing. I'm stoked that over 200 people have decided to waste their uh, <laughs> a couple of minutes navigating the Velo Game site, which is easily the most difficult website to use. Um, it's so hard; you can't even find a, like how you did a couple. Of, I don't know. I I get confused on everything on that site to sign yeah. up for leagues. Um, Dan here can't even find a way to log back into seeing how his team is doing. No, no, no. So we I'm could just say he's last. I just can't find. <laughs> my team you, anymore here's um, a question do you guys know how Vela games is monetized like how why does Vela, how does it exist because they're always sending me emails saying i should sign up for all these leagues for other races which we don't even do and i don't care about like lomandy but like how are they making money how do they exist 
Oh, look, you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. How does pro cycling stats exist? Well, I assume that's I a mean, labor of love by by someone I mean, so much nerdier than we could ever be, so much more fastidious like, with their with their with their now, chamois sniffing. So, I think you've got that exactly backwards. I think Velo Games is a labor of love that has no real <laughs> advertising. Pro cycling stats, on the other hand, I downloaded the app uh, for my phone and. The app won't give you the complete results like the website does unless you uh, become a member, which costs like five bucks. Huh. So I tossed the guy five bucks, and now I get the full uh, stats and everything all over the phone, and it's much easier to navigate than the website. And uh, I would recommend – I've been meaning to give okay. a shout-out for you know a couple months I, on this, but if you, if you want uh, – if you're curious on results, if you need to be that guy at the bar who knows yeah. exactly what the result was from five years ago at whatever race, Pro Cycling Stats app, pay the five bucks. It's it's pretty That's rad. That's true. We it's, do owe him, him some money because we, we, we do, <laughs> I'd say, what, 94, 95% of our research for the podcast on Pro Cycling Stats, like while we're doing the podcast. Well, I would just say that I I don't even go to many other cycling news websites anymore dan what for you like what what websites do you go to to see what's going on in the world of professional cycling uh besides the slow ride podcast like mitch docker i I don't think i've ever been on pro cycling stats i'll tell you that right now okay so so you're gonna start going there and then you're not gonna go to other like i don't go to cycling news anymore uh i kind of don't hate cycling news yeah like you okay um it's gotten better it doesn't crash of, my uh browser like it did a couple <laughs> no, it's months still, ago it's so. still a terrible website yeah. i mean it's an awful website objectively speaking and i kind of hate Velo news because i don't know it's i feel like the whole new direction of Velo news is like them making fun of cycling for some reason and it's awful and uh yeah i don't know i don't I basically either just watch the races myself or I don't, or I'll listen to it about it on a podcast somewhere. Uh, I just think that mm, good pain pro cycling stats, I think pro cycling stats is like, you know, that's like source material, right? It's just facts. That's what I like about yeah, it. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, no fake I, news you know the website I use more like way more often than I probably should is dopology. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that yeah, website? That's a good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go to that way more often because that I feel like that has more relevant stats than pro cycling stats more often than not. I think uh, we're going to head into a, the prim lap here. We're done with the Giro. More, more excitement will be next week yeah. on the Giro, and then we're going to talk. Yeah, there hasn't been too it much. It hasn't even started, truthfully. I mean, it's three days and then a rest day, yeah. so I don't even know. What up? This is Tom's Koyinch, and you're listening to this low ride podcast. So this week, uh, the slow ride podcast is brought to you by Health IQ. Uh, you guys should know and love Health IQ by now. Um, they are a life insurance company um, that uh, that celebrates the health conscious, like cyclists mm, like me um so if you're out there riding your bike if you're putting in miles um you could be using that time and that effort to save yourself some money on your life insurance um you can do that by going to healthiq.com slash slow ride 
to learn a little bit more about what they do, to get your free quotes, to check out their FAQ page and, uh, you know, figure out uh, if you have any questions about what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, They answer all that stuff. They're very upfront about it, which is rad. And you can also take a cycling quiz on there to test your knowledge or to let them know that you actually have knowledge about cycling. Um, And all that stuff uh, will save you some money. Uh, It all stacks up. Every little thing you do, like you send in your Strava miles, you send in that uh, you score a lead on that quiz, all that stuff will stack up and uh, pile up to save you money um, along with other stuff like uh, family history forgiveness that they have, um, which is great, you know, if you're taking care of yourself, but maybe people in your family and, uh, you know, before you came around didn't take care of themselves so well, you don't get docked for that, which is a pretty great, uh, feature to have, um, because we know not everybody, uh, takes care of themselves like you might. Yeah. Um, so anyway, healthiq.com slash slow ride, at least, uh, head over there and check it out. Um, learn a little bit more about what, uh, what they're doing and what they could be doing for you because yeah, they're a great supporter of the show and the network as a whole. And, uh, we really appreciate that support. Um, Beyond Health IQ, we're obviously brought to you by Wide Angle Podium. Uh, that is a network that I run uh, with Bill uh, from Crosshairs Radio, and uh, we try to bring you the best cycling-related podcasts that are out there. Um, and we do that uh, through donor support. Um, so if you like what you hear on this show, if you listen to Crosshairs, if you listen to the Consummate Athlete or Honest Bicycle Program or any of the other shows on the network... Um, Laser Radio has been crushing it uh, lately. Um, you know, uh, all that stuff comes uh, from one focal point at wideanglepodium.com or on our app, which you can get on the iTunes App Store or the Google Play App Store and um, stay up to date with that stuff. And if you're so inclined, you can become a donor and uh, help support what we're doing. So those are uh, those are our sponsors for this pretty much. Dan, how many Wide Angle Podium podcasts have you guessed it on now? Uh, Honest Bicycle, Crosshairs Radio, you guys. That's okay. it. Are you trying to do them all? Is it's, this like a competition? You make like a bar bet with somebody? You're like you're just trying no, to work your way through I them all? I wish. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to be on Consummate Athlete just because I'm not one. And <laughs> well, yeah, that is their um, first criteria. I kind of want to be on We Got to Hang Out just because I want to hang out with oh. them. They're yeah. pretty fun yeah. to hang out with. Um, um, are you like the rest of us, though, and just waiting for that Myerson call? You know, It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> is he ever going to make an actual podcast again? Because I don't think that's going to yeah, happen. Nobody knows. That's the thing. I don't know. Maybe you can bring uh, him out of retirement. There's literally no way Adam is going to call me to do a podcast. He should. It would be <laughs> funny. I think we would have a good conversation, but I don't think it's ever going to oh, happen. Oh, yeah. He's got he's got too many other people he needs to talk to first. I, I'm pretty far down that's, on that list. That's probably true. And he yeah. knows I would probably give him too much shit. He might like that. So he might, but you know, it depends on the mood he's in. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's like into me talking back to him, and sometimes he doesn't want to hear it. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> 
for Rumbade and uh, yeah, enjoy your Starride podcast. Hey, um, welcome back to the amazing podcast. We're going to talk about fixed gear crits, so this will be the most exciting 10 minutes that you've ever had um, heard on the podcast. Actually, maybe a little bit more than 10 minutes because we have three-time winner of the Red Hook Brooklyn crit. You got Dan that. You got that right. Chabanoff on the podcast. Um, Dan now currently works with the organization behind the Red Hook crit. And I've got a couple questions, um, but first off, Dan, for the lay people out there, can you give us the 15-second description of what the Red Hook crit and races of that ilk are? Uh, the easiest 15-second description is it's the Formula One of bike racing. So it's Meaning like super high-tech? More like super restrictive tech. Re- oh, like, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like basically the most, everything. The most is, expensive cycling no, event. Out I mean, there? I, it it kind of for a, for a forty five minute crit, it's really expensive <laughs> to put on. It is a. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of money. I don't I don't even know where it all comes from. So so it's a formula race, kind of like Little Five Hundred, where everyone has a fixed gear bike. And pretty much it comes down to your racing skills versus your, uh, you know, who has the the fanciest bike, right? Is there is there restrictions built into what kind of wheels you can use, a, a deep dish or not? Uh, traditional spoked wheels. So you can run deep rims, but you can't run a disc. You can't run a tri-spoke. You can't run spinnergies, unfortunately. Oh, man. Um, I mean, everybody has to roll you up have... and take their spinnergies off and then put their normal wheels on to go out and race, right? Yeah, basically. Can, can you have um, mustache bars? No, you have to have drop bars. Ah, wow, that's it. a little disappointing. Right. Because you, what about bullhorn bars? Because I'm nope. sure there's a lot of fixed gear nerds <laughs> that really want bullhorn bars. I'm sure there are, but nope, you have to have drops. Um, they don't have to be track drops. They can be road drops. They do have to have okay. tape on them, uh, which is somehow an issue that we had this year. Somebody who was a track he wanted huh. to run his bars with just grip tape on them and not actual handlebar wrap. And I don't know. People are weird. Yeah. What about, um, is there a, I had heard that there's a requirement that you have to play bike polo immediately before, um, doing the crit. Is that true or not? I don't think so. I mean, there's a 5k <laughs> immediately before the finals. You can run that if you want. I think there's a running, a standing bet that if you finish on the lead lap of the 5k and then on the lead lap of the crit, there's like a monetary prize for that that's separate. That would be. And hard. I think. Oh wow. Maybe two people have managed it. Yeah, now, I think did uh, did Austin pull that off or did he? He was the first close? to pull it off. I don't know if Dave ever paid okay. him out of spite. <laughs> how many um that's fair how many people sign up and then how many are in the finals at the red hook brooklyn obviously there's other events worldwide but in this one in particular uh, i believe there were about 70 women signed up and i think 60 are in the final and i think there was about 350 men signed up and i believe the final is limited to 100 riders and how much does it cost to race it's around like 50 bucks 55 bucks it's not right. not crazy not you also normal. get to yeah. everybody gets to race twice during the day even if you don't qualify for the final so spencer you got to race twice when you didn't qualify for the final right 
No, this is new. I think I, I don't even know if I had a second opportunity to race because I was shamed enough uh, for my qualifying uh, attempt that I I just didn't, uh, I knew I didn't have it, yeah. Tim. So Spinergy's back a couple on of uh, rolled, rolled to the bus. Now, Swapped out back to the bullhorns. <laughs> yeah, put the bullhorns back on. Now, now the Red Hook crit itself is um, obviously a, kind of the originator or the original... Um, commercial success of fixed gear crits. There are a couple of other ones around the country that seem to be gaining um, some popularity. Mission crit in San Francisco, which was the week immediately preceding uh, Red Hook. And then also I think there's one in San Antonio around the Alamo last, last, uh, really? last, last stand last or something standing. like that. Yeah. Last know. standing. Yeah. Something, yeah. some gimmicky name over the Alamo last stand. Red Hook has gone to London, Milan, Barcelona in the past. Um, still waiting for the schedule for next year. So what I've noticed, and I have seen a lot of commentary commentary from, it's kind of like an indie rock band where everyone that was into it years ago then gets really uh, disappointed when it makes it big in that th- there's complaints now about a higher level racers coming to the event, right? Ooh-hoo. Top lot, top notch racers coming to win. No longer is it possible to win this event three times, you know, and just be kind of <laughs> the guy that comes in to race. Now you're seeing some, uh, competitors that have actually been at the, uh, world track championships. Um, Dan, you are obviously good enough to have won this thing three times. How do you feel about those kind of comments on that? The, the quality has gotten too good and it's no longer like a grassroots event. Uh, I mean, I think people that say stuff like that are to, are pretty forgetful of the history of the race. I mean, the first ever Red Hook crit was won by a professional track and criterium rider, Casey Mandefeld Lloyd. Um, she came from out of town, was had never ridden a track bike on the street, uh, smoked Dave in a sprint <laughs> on the cobblestones, and... I think that kind of sets the tone of the race is it, you know, it, the, the, I think the like main principle behind the race isn't that like it was somehow street or like came from this, uh, messenger culture. It was what, what it is, is that anybody can show up and anybody can race and it's a and it's meant to attract as wide of a swath of the cycling culture as it can. So like track riders, criterium riders, messengers, uh, people that are just into fixed culture, road racers. You know, we've had professional mountain Mm -hmm. bikers, um, pretty much anybody that has raced a bike uh, or from any category of bike racing. Like we've probably had somebody on the start line doing that. You know, like the winner of the women's race this year was uh, a, on the Canadian national team for speed skating. Oh, wow. And then, I mean, nice. it, just the people that are going to the event too. What, I mean, I saw pictures of a uh, Bardet hanging out this year at the, uh, the cruise terminal there. And then um, Justin Williams used to race for rock racing. I think got second this year. Did, uh, that yeah. was uh, pretty cool to see. I mean, I, I like it because it is that wide swath. And then the other critique that uh, that I uh, I saw got uh, hit up by a friend of the pod, uh, someone we know uh, well, uh, Randall Deedle out in San Francisco. He was saying that this type of racing, you know, it really gets strung out uh, quickly. So there's a lot of like uh, 
you know, sitting up for your teammate to create like the break around the turns because the turns are always, you know, it's not always three wide going through the turns. So it's not the most, uh, tactical of racing. It's a lot more, just go from the gun and it just gets strung out. And there's really not a lot of like attacks and breaks and, and as exciting as other crits. Do you, what do you think about that? Is that I mean, something that you've heard that, before? That sounds like uninformed bullshit. That's, that sounds like someone who's never watched one of these races imagining what it might look like based on something he's read online. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't really care. Because, honestly, the women's race at this year's event was the most exci- one of the most exciting bike races I've ever seen in person. I mean, it was just, from the first lap preem, it was like, there was at least three different riders that were off the front that all got an eight or nine second gap that could have stuck, but it all came back together. And it was just, it was, you, you, you didn't know what was going to happen next for 45 minutes. And it was just a fantastic race to watch. That was super tactical and really exciting. And I think, you know, even the men's race, although in my opinion, slightly less exciting was still unpredictable. And, you know, you, you didn't really know how it was going to turn out until the last lap. And in fact, like even watching the race, you know, everybody was like, Oh, you know, specialize is like leading it out for Williams. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't, he got beat on the line by uh people 14 from Italy. And it was just, it was kind of an upset in my opinion. And there's, there was some rain coming in at the end there too, this year, yeah. right? Wasn't there yeah, like uh, torrential downpours at the end? It was really funny. Cause like three days before the race, Dave was talking to somebody and he was like, yeah, if it was up to me, it would just like start raining in the middle of the race. And then it happened. And I was like, I didn't realize we had the budget to control the weather, but <laughs> uh, then this year, was it a new course this year? Or is it, um, I saw there's like, there seemed to be more turns and it took out, took place where the formula E race courses for, um, kind of that F1 knockoff of electric cars. Right. So last year, Formula E came to Brooklyn and they set up a track in the cruise terminal where we'd been doing the race. Um, Basically, we did a new course, uh, not because they were there, but because Dave had some ideas to make the race better and to kind of improve the layout. Um, The course typically gets split into like these two ends because the way the terminal is laid out, there's like a two long straightaways, uh, one going one way, one going the other way. And then there's a bunch of turns at each end. And so Dave kind of wanted to, instead of splitting the crowds, try to like focus them in one area. So he basically put a bunch of turns on one end of the course and then one hairpin on the other end, which made made it a little bit better. Um, I think Dave just kind of wants to keep moving the race forward and he's never really satisfied unless he's making changes and making improvements. Um, and I think that right there is the one thing that for me separates, uh, the red hook crit and the red hook brand, I guess, from basically any other race I've seen is that it's always really trying to push forward, you know, like, and having gone there to do the race, like having a lot of USA cycling experience and going there and being like, Oh, I know what to expect. Like I was kind of blown away by how well a lot of stuff ran and how differently it ran 
from uh, my normal bike race experience. And you could tell that they probably did the first year and we're like, okay, what can we make better? And every year make something better. And that's like uh, another aspect of it, I guess, is like from course to registration to, you know, having a place to warm up to everything else. Like it's, it's very well thought out probably more so than any other race. So you I've didn't done. have to like pee in the bushes or like anything like that, like a normal no. USAC race. <laughs> Cause there's no part of party. That's weird. Dan, what's the next step for this event? I mean, where else can it go? Like, I mean, is it always going to be at the Brooklyn cruise tournament or are we going to see this in central park? I mean, what's the, definitely what's not going to see it in central park. Um, I mean, this is my personal opinion and not the opinion of anybody organizing the race. Uh, but obviously the next step is a quality live stream and I have to qualify it that way by saying quality, because I think most of the live streams that we see for criterium racing right now are garbage to put it like generously. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's like we probably have the budget to do a garbage live stream, but again, it's just kind of not what, like if you if you look at the race and you look at the website and the branding and just everything that the race kind of touches looks and feels a certain way and we're not going to make a live stream that doesn't conform to that. And so, you know, just off the top of my head like we'd need a separate commentary team for the live stream because if you're watching a live stream and you're listening to the commentary that's at the venue, it sounds like shit. Uh, we need a graphics package, you know, it's like all that stuff is expensive. You'd need, uh, uh we can do it. Yeah, we'll do <laughs> well, it. We'll do you'd the need- <laughs> for you do the graphics package. No, we'll just do the live stream and I will, I will we can do we'll- the graphics package. Like, like, bam. Oh yeah. yeah. We right. Get a new logo. We could do that. I, I don't think, I don't think you'd want to do that work for 10,000 piece, but sure. So is there a, it's Okay. A better live, yeah, a live stream that makes the, then you can sell more sponsorships. Sure, make it more exciting. Are we going to see the Red Hook brand go outside of uh, New York City? Do you think, or do you think these fixed gear crits? Is it just going to be Mission Crit in San Francisco? And then, I mean, there's really nothing else. Like we just named the three biggest ones, and we're like, I think it's called Last Stand in Al- in San Antonio. Like, what else is there? Well, I don't- is this racing going to take off like gravel? Here's the thing. I don't necessarily think it's something for the U.S. market. Uh, If you look at Europe, you know, it's like Italy sanctioned a national championship for fixed gear racing last year. Like it's 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 recognized as a distinct cycling discipline by the Italian Federation. Um, The NL Crit Series in the Netherlands runs races every other week. there's opportunities to race your fixed gear track bike on a crit course in Europe almost every week. There's races happening. We just don't necessarily hear about them because they're not as big as Red Hook and they don't capture that media attention, but they're out there and they're happening. Um, and it's definitely the growth market is in Europe. I don't really think, I don't really, I don't know if, I don't think Dave necessarily cares about where the sport grows. And I don't necessarily think he has like ambitions to do something for the sport. He's just trying to put on the best bike race that he can. 
Well, Derek Bouchard Hall was at the Mission Crit taking video of the event right after Sea Otter. I thought that was pretty interesting that leave Sea Otter to then go to the Mission Crit to take some uh, video and see what that's about. I wouldn't be surprised if USA Cycling starts going that route, don't you think? Like, it seems that that's a natural progression for USA Cycling under Derek Bouchard Hall's leadership to be a little bit um, more forward thinking than Steve Johnson, who just sat around and was like, hey, I want to have a fat bike national championships. Like, it just seems. Yeah. Honestly, it seems like more of the same. No offense to Derek. I think he's doing a good job in general, but it seems exactly the USA Cycling playbook. Something cool is happening, and we have to try and sanction it. it he's not doing anything different, in my opinion. But from, if they create a fixed gear like national championship race, like I mean, isn't that one of the cool things? I mean, you just said it? Italy I don't know. was doing it. You I said mean, Italy yeah. was doing it? What if we did it? Sure, I that's guess. that's fine. Um I just know that like the last thing anyone associated with the race wants is to be sanctioned by USA Cycling or the UCI. Like that's kind of where I think I I don't think they'd bring anything interesting or new to the table. I think uh, generally like innovation is going to be better served existing outside of that structure. Sure, but. That's like, that's like a whole different philosophical discussion, I think. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if there's a fixed gear national championship race run by USA Cycling, then that could be a nice compliment to, well, like, Tim, the Red I Hook, Chris. Crit. I, th- I feel like, uh, wouldn't it seem disingenuous if they just started a, a fixed gear national championship criterium race rather than having a whole series of races during the year and then leading up to a national championship kind of thing um because if you're that it does seem like just capitalizing on something that somebody else built if you're just gonna well i think that they're gonna try to sell some tickets i think they're gonna the capitalize the on i think they would be capitalizing on no matter what else is built anyway because they're late to the game and they weren't forward thinking enough to create the red hook right, crit, right? so however if all of a sudden they they recognize that it's a, a viable concept that there's obviously good racing happening. It's exciting. Um, it's pretty open. It's a formula race, right? You show up, anybody can race. You have a men's and women's. Like if they kind of run it in a um, pretty hands-off approach, I think it could do a lot for to get more races out there. Because I, I wonder how many people would start showing up all of a sudden. I mean, we, we saw this with some of these other racing out there, um, different categories, that if people have just like this national championship of ambition mm-hmm. – then they're going to show up. Like there's a marathon mountain bike national championship where people, a ton of people from Florida drove up to last weekend in Arkansas or this past weekend in Arkansas. Last year it was in Georgia and it's slowly down here. It's becoming a thing because it was within driving territory. So, you know, maybe if there's a national championship in the crit, that's, you know, if Downers Grove was still happening and then they had in Downers Grove, a fixed gear category, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, Is it disingenuous? Eh, no, it's what USA Cycling does. They just take things over. Um, can sure. Red Hook still exist in its own uh, outside of that? Absolutely. I don't see that that would co-opt uh, yeah. anything at all. From I think Red it Hook. would. I think it, it would. It would still exist, obviously. And I think it would probably be bigger than any uh, any of the other crits. But that, yeah, we've seen like Intelligentsia has thrown fixed gear crits. Yeah, their, yeah, that's true. They're weak. Yeah, I mean that's um, a good. So point. people are out there experimenting with it, and you know it could happen. It probably won't um i think right it is a weird thing too because the way it's structured 
with Red Hook, you go and you try and qualify, and if you qualify, you do the final, right? Like, pretty simple. USA Cycling, the way things work, are, is a category system, right? And But they so could change it. Yeah. Like, I, I would say that. Like, USA Cycling could come in and literally copy what Red Hook has. Like, yeah. they've, it's not like they haven't copied websites before, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you have, you have um, you know, this Red Hook formula that has worked fantastic. I think Red yeah. Hook would clearly be the Super Bowl of this event because, I mean, the marketing and the media coverage that this event gets are hands down better. I don't think any promoter could to could get to that level except for after several years. But, you know, Intelligentsia, I believe Intelligentsia is just a one-off fixed gear crit. Like, anybody can show up with a fixed gear. I don't think that's run on a category system, but it is sanctioned by someone. I mean, it's got to have insurance through... I mean, because isn't that on the same weekend as... Uh, it's right around um, Toad, isn't it? Tour yeah. of America's Dairyland, like it's like the week after. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that there's there's a way forward. Um, I obviously I'm not in the the trenches the way Dan is. So like I I would I could totally understand that there would be some feelings that would be like I don't <laughs> want USA Cycling anywhere near involved. I'm also not one of these people that thinks that just because USA Cycling puts on an event, it's going to take away uh, in any way. I think it could actually help the long term um, to show how good Red Hook is. But that's no, just me. I generally agree with you. Um, I just meant that, like, yeah. All the time I, I, or just now? Just now. Um, okay. <laughs> I definitely don't, I, I don't think anybody wants USA Cycling involved with specifically Red Hook. Um, yeah. I think if USA Cycling kind of wants to take the momentum that we've built and run with it, I think they could. I definitely think the current category system is going to be the thing that's holding them back. Um, and I think there's, they have to do some like pretty hard thinking to and tinkering to figure that problem out. I don't know if they're willing to but, attempt that. Okay, not to throw, um, you know, water on this fire. It, <laughs> how, how much longer until there's a masters category at Red Hook Crit? Never. Good. Then I'm never coming. Golf club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want a masters category. Forty Why? plus. Just, just, just come. I mean, I'm you kidding, don't, Dan. You don't, I'm don't, kidding. You don't even That's... have to race. You just, just come. Remember, we were talking about. Sarcasm I mean, if we ever do it again, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it happens. I, I love seeing the pictures. I just love seeing the videos. Um, I think that everybody that I see doing the Red Hook crit um, looks like people I would, I wanted to hang out with when I was like a courier, but I got stuck hanging out with uh, Spencer and Little Guy. Ouch. Mm. Some oh no, man! I've done Red Hooks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're the coolest of us. It was really like I have I've I've got a category two on the track. Like I raced the track a lot, the Velodrome, and I know how to ride a fixed gear bike, and I do not know how to ride a fixed gear crit. Like it is completely different. It is not the same beast, and uh, I needed more. I need a lot more time practicing that. I need more laps and. Uh, and that so i have a lot of respect for the the folks that can do those things really well because uh it's a it's a it's a different skill it's a different kind of bike racing was the so the red hook crit sadly um to many is just known for the um catastrophic uh motorcycle stalling at the start line um is it how long is it going to take for that to just not be remembered (laughs) because that 
Because right, because instantly that was what was covered on Cycling News and Velo News and all of these sites to be like, see how ridiculous this this is, and it's like, how many USA Cycling crits have we seen the Moto Ref go down in front of the the crowd, or Taylor Finney's career almost gets taken out by a Moto Ref? Yeah. You know, like accidents happen, but that was that's a tough one to overcome, right, Dan? I mean, it is, but honestly, I feel like everybody's kind of started realizing what you've just said. You know, that it's like kind of ridiculous to be like, oh, that motorcycle over there is somehow different than that motorcycle over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just look at any like, you know, look, look at Grand Tour field sprints. It's like one guy goes down, they all go down. Yeah. I don't know. I, Shit happens in bike th- racing. There does seem to be a lot of crashes, crashes though, at Red Hook every year, right? Like, like there, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of I mean, barricades that tend to go flying. From there's a lot of crashes at every bike race. Um, I will say, you know, and this is again a hundred percent biased from someone that works for the event. We've had this year, we had over eight thousand laps raced at speed, and we had, I think close to a dozen less crashes than we did last year when we raced, I think something like 6,000 laps. So there was more racing this year and it was a lot safer. And the, in fact, the worst crash this year was by a rider that was off the front by themselves, which like clip pedal. No, I'm not really even sure what happened. Um, Just tried to coast. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Probably, here's here's yeah. the thing. It's like, we've all been there, right? It's like you do 100 laps of a crit course, and it's like you take the same corner over and over and over again, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then the one time you come around that corner, and you just, for whatever reason, there's no traction there now. <laughs> you know? And, and that's that's mm-hmm. the crash. Mm-hmm. Sometimes shit just happens. You can't... We We work really hard to make as safe of a track as we can for everybody, and like I can tell you that people are out there for days before the race, like inching barricades around a kilometer long track to try and position them in the best way possible. But there's only so much we can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what's the biggest name that's ever come to uh, the Red Hook crit? I mean, to race. Like, is there anybody that's like, wow, I was surprised at that, you know, maybe someone's under a nom de plume. You know, like um. <laughs> they don't want, like, oh, is that who? Who is that over there? Is that uh, is that, is that George Hincapie? I mean, M- Miguel Indurain's son was racing this year. Really, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. he won the one of the last chance. He won one of the like last chance races. So like, when you don't qualify for the final, there's you get another chance, and he soloed away from that race and was in the final. I think he finished like in 60th something. Hmm. Was he when he soloed array? Was it really boring to watch and just you know yeah, very steady? It, clearly yeah, I, the the cream of the clearly the best racer in the field, but you didn't it, want to watch it. That's pretty cool that he was there though. Yeah. Was he there with a full team? Was his dad there? No, he was just there by himself, yeah. solo guy. Um, he just really enjoys that stuff. Um, I mean, at this point, the race has been around for eleven years, and there's like a whole generation of guys that have grown up with this race existing. Um, the guy that won in Milan last year, you might have seen him in the break at the Tour of Flanders. Um, he was going to race in Brooklyn, but uh, he hurt his hand in oh. this little bike race called Roubaix. That's the um, Baran Mer- Bahrain Mereta guy. Yeah, um, Ivan Cortina. Garcia? 
Yep. A Cortina? Okay. Um, and he, you know, I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, when I like got into bike racing, like Red Hook was the thing I wanted to go do, but none of the teams I was on ever wanted to let me go do it. So they like, and then they see you and they're like, Hey, can I have your autograph? No, that's, that's the funny, that's the thing about this being, having been around for so long as most people now don't know who I am and they don't (laughs) know what racing Red Hook was like, um, in like 2010, 2012. So it's like, I'll meet people and I'll be with somebody who's like, who's, who's introducing us and they'll like tell them, Oh, like, Oh, this is Dan. He won Red Hook three times. And people will be like so impressed and I'll be like, no, nah, it was a different time back then. Like <laughs> I I don't think I can do what those guys are doing on the track now. I mean, they're I, I I rode with a couple guys in Prospect Park the day before the race, and I was on my road bike and they were dropping me downhill going over thirty miles an hour. <laughs> and I was like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what you guys are doing. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Well, maybe uh, next year we will make it a, a party up at the Red Hook Crit for the 12th annual. Maybe it will be at the uh, cruise ter- cruise ship terminal, or maybe it will be a renegade race run on the West Side Highway up and down the uh, bike path while we wave at everybody. If that's the um, case, you heard it here first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Um, well, Dan, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'd like to uh, thank all of our listeners to the show, and uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. We're also on Instagram at the Slow Ride Pod, and you can email us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail dot com. Thanks to BK One of Rhyme Series Entertainment for the use of his track "Tema Du Cannibal" off of the album "Radio Du Cannibal." And with that, this is Tim in Orlando. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston. And this is Dan in Philadelphia. Thanks for having me, guys. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Wait, hold on. If we're going to talk about Velo Games, uh, I made a team. I joined your league. I cannot, for the fucking life of me, I've probably spent an hour on this today, find my team again. Like, I've logged in. I don't know where the link is that's just like, look at your team and how it's doing. (laughs) 